pull up a chair and let's talk care. Well, hi everybody. So there's a bit of a shitstorm happening here. Yeah, we got COVID. I know. How did that happen? Been so careful for flipping 18 months. I'd stuck to the rules. I'd worn my mask. I'd followed the rules to the letter, everybody. Honestly, I'm honestly one of those people that shouts at the TV when I see Boris Johnson not wearing his mask around a hospital, when I see him in Parliament, sat there with no masks on, shouting, what the fuck? Honestly, all the time. I am shouting and screaming at that TV when people don't wear masks, when people ignore the rules. And then I got it. Yep. It was a shit show. It could have been worse, though. And it could have been worse. But we'd vaccinated. And I do believe that made it a lot better. It possibly saved our lives. I don't know. Might be too dramatic saying that, but you never know. But even on top of that, we'd also changed our lifestyle from January. What we'd done is we'd lost a lot of weight so I, I, I'd lost five stone so I think all of that plus the vaccine actually made a difference to how it affected us mentally however it impacted on me and I'd say that because it made me realize that I have a lot to be thankful for in the sense of I had access to a vaccine I had access to people that could go shopping for me I had people that I live live with who loved me and could take care of me and I could take care of them. I had people who rang me to check that I was okay. I wasn't isolated on my own. I had contact with the outside world in the sense of I had a TV, I could watch the news, I had a phone and people were checking in on me. And in some sense, mentally it made me realise, God, there's lots to be thankful for. It also made me realise how grateful we should be that we do have the vaccine. And yes, I still believe it is a choice and, and we have a choice to have the vaccine. I do think everybody should choose to have it, don't get me wrong. I still think, I still don't understand those people that say they don't want it, don't get it. Because you put other shit in your mouth, in your body. You smoke, you drink crap, you eat crap. You don't check every ingredient that goes into your body, but you don't mind eating it or drinking it. Many of you even go out on a night out and put so much crap in you. But you choose to, so that's fine but you want something 100% before you put it in you. But hey-ho, you let us lot or trial it for you before you put it. But anyway, don't worry. Anyway, I could go on forever. But anyway, it's still a choice and I get that. However, I'm ranting. So I thought I'd jump on and just say where we are at the moment. So we're recovering. We're recovering all right. We're doing not too bad. What I would like to say is, not that easy to get your results though is it <laughs> so we did have PCRs last Thursday 
and we got the results today. <laughs> yeah, a little bit late. Um, and then Track and Trace have been pestering us all day. I'm like, yeah, it took you ages to do the PCRs, guys. I know you're really busy, but it took them absolutely ages. And they are absolutely chock-a-block. That's the issue at the moment. They are honestly just full-on at the moment. And that's the, the background story to it, is that they're getting more tests than they can cope with. So hence why you might wait five days, six days for your test results. And by then, because actually we got our um, symptoms 10 days ago, so now, tomorrow, in fact, Thursday, I come out of isolation. My husband came out of isolation tomorrow. So by the time we've got a test results, our isolation is just about up. We've already informed everybody, and let people know what's going on. So not a lot Track and Trace can do. But we've done our bit. We've done what we're supposed to do. And we've followed the rules. Because that's what you do. For the good of others. It's not just about you. It's not about being selfish. It's about doing what is right. But anyway. I, 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 I rant a little. On top of that. It's given me time to watch a bit more news. Because obviously I've not been able to do a lot more. It's given me a lot more time to realise what rubbish is going on at the moment in in our society, what absolute crap the social care system is. And as much as our government are saying they're doing one thing, they do another. But hey-ho, I didn't vote for them, so I'm quite happy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I work in an industry that I feel has been destroyed. Working in an industry that is undervalued by a government, by many governments actually, not just by one, it's always been undervalued. So we are on a losing battle constantly. We're fighting, we're constantly trudging through treacle, it feels like. And each time we think we've, we, we've got our head above water, we then sink back down and it becomes quite difficult to then realise it's an industry that we're forever fighting through. However, on top of that, we've got these people that are given an excuse for why they do things wrong. I, I was looking yesterday, I was looking at Care Quality Commission site, and I was looking and, and seeing um, what they've done in the last month or so of inspections. And I don't know whether I'd just not noticed the amount of inadequates within all industries, within all areas of care. So whether it's hospital, outreach services, GPs, care homes, domiciliary. And there was 102 services in the last month that were deemed inadequate. And when you look further into those reports, I was shocked to see that in the key lines of inquiries, so safe care, responsive, effective and well-led, many of them had inadequate for many of those areas, not just one. In some cases, they had inadequate for every single key line of inquiry, yet they were still open. They were still trading. They, okay, they were given six months to fix it, they were put in special measures. In fact, some of them were given six months up to 12, 12 months to be in special measures. 
Some of these homes had been good in their last inspection. And even though Care Quality Commission had understood that we'd been through a pandemic and they'd given some thought for that, the things that were coming up were things like core values, weren't around pandemic they were about dignity person-centered care deprivation of liberty things that actually dignity has nothing to do with the pandemic and neither does person-centered care and in and I, and I was really shocked I was shocked at how many of these companies that had been put in, into inadequate had so many inadequates in the key lines of inquiries. It wasn't just that they'd got inadequate in in a couple or needs improvement, good, and then inadequate. Some had, in all of them, it was rather shocking when when you, you dug deeper and you read, you know, unsafe, no risk assessments, no mitigating risk assessments being done, nothing. Um, infection control, staff not wearing PPE. Not wearing PPE in the middle of a pandemic. Tell me, how would you not wear PPE? Because even if you weren't thinking about others, wouldn't you think about your own family? Wouldn't you? So I was really shocked at it. And and, And maybe... Maybe I'd not really realised before, but it it just it just struck home that a hundred and two inadequate services. But normally I wouldn't really maybe look further and deeper so much into it. But and I think oh maybe they only got one inadequate. But to see that in those key lines of inquiries there were so many. And I know recruitment and I know staffing has an element to do with that. And I know that. And some companies will have got graded lower because they might not have had the staffing levels and they may not have had certain things in place due to the pandemic. And I, and, and I think you will be able to read where that sits and you'll be able to be able to manage that and understand that. And where there's been a, a, a manager missing... And then you will get an inadequate for well-led if your manager is not in post. But to get so many inadequates in one report was quite shocking. And it then made me think. It made me think, how, we, how do we turn these places around? How do we get these companies to realise the enormity of it? Because some companies then say, well, it's not us, it, it's not down to us, it's CQC. They can't all be wrong, can they? And I hope it isn't, and I really hope, and I don't know what you all think, I hope it isn't that big stick being waved, you know, hitting somebody over the head. I hope there is that, we're here to help you. This is how you can fix it. We're going to help you fix it. We're going to give you the tools to fix it. And this is how we're going to guide you through it. Rather than... This is what you've done wrong, now get it done. I hope that, I, I, I really hope. But I couldn't see that. You can't see that in the reports, can you? You can't see that in that, you know, in, in the information. And my worry is, 
the owners of these companies, are they taking responsibilities or will it be all put on that management, that manager? Will the company owners stand up and support that management and support that team? Or will it be a blame game culture and a scapegoat culture? Because what we want is a solution base for that, a way of finding a way. How can we fix this? How can we make this better? And where, where, how come, how come we have failed in this area? Because ultimately, to not have dignity and person-centered care, that's core value. That's your bread and butter of your company. That should be the first thing you do within your company is make sure you have systems to provide good dignity, privacy, respect. That's about your attitude, your belief, your ethos, your values of your company. That's about your per- statement of purpose. And if you haven't got that, then you've got to go back to basics, haven't you? You've got to really go back to that. And some of them, I was when I was reading through some of the reports, it was even to the point of companies not even doing induction. You know, I know there was um, rapid recruitment during the pandemic, but you've still got to make sure your staff are trained. You've still got to make sure there's an element of an induction to make sure people are safe and that people are competent in the role they do. And that induction can be making sure your staff have shadowed and making sure that your staff are doing competencies on each other, whether that's peer competency. But there are ways to do that. It's not about having days and days and days and days of training. It's about making sure whatever you're teaching somebody, they've took it in and that you've taught them how to do it and that they understand what they've been taught. Because there's no amount of trainer that can say, oh, I've taught them, I've trained them, so they understand. No, it's not until they put it into practice that you've known that, that you know they've taken it in. Until you see them doing the job, that you know they understood what they've been taught. I don't deem, as a trainer, to have all the answers but what I do is I I impart knowledge enough for them to go in and do their job how they do it is about them taking on board what I've said now some people choose not to follow what I've said I've I've I have trained many people over the years and I've had people come to my training and say well we know you say do it like this but we don't I've had people in my training say those words I've had one person come in and says, oh, I did my induction before I've come to the training. And somebody said to me, I know Maxine said do it like this, but we don't. And I'm like, there's no point coming to my training if that's what's then being taught during your shadow shifts. Because ultimately, if you're not following what you've been trained, you're willfully ignoring what you're supposed to do. In some sense, willful neglect, actually. But ultimately, what we need to do is make sure we are checking that people are doing their job. Who's checking these people? Who's checking that people are okay in their role? That they have the sufficient skills? That they have the the sufficient well-being to do it? The resilience? that they're okay to do it, that they're, that they're happy in their role, that they're happy and 
able to tell you when they need more support or need more guidance? Who's doing that? And is that done by somebody who cares? Who has the courage to speak up when somebody's not doing it right? But not speak up as in, you're doing it all wrong. Speak up in a way as, actually, this is how we're supposed to do it. Try this way, try that way. Have the courage to guide somebody rather than just tell somebody they're wrong. And that's ultimately what we need to do. We need to look at that. We need to be better at supporting our teams, at guiding, nurturing, enabling, having more compassion about it. I mean, we have these six C's, don't we? We have the six C's in care. How many of you follow that? You know, the care, the compassion, the courage, the commitment, the courage, the, the, the communication. How many? Come on. The competence. We have them. And if we have these six C's, we have them care, we have them in care and healthcare, by the way. If you follow those, then ultimately you'll do a good job. Communicate with each other, have compassion, be competent in your role, commitment to work together, the courage to speak up. It's, it's not a lot, lot to ask. And that's where we need to start looking at. We need to start thinking about. We need to start working with. And, and, and I think it's sometimes going back to those basics, going back to the drawing board. Stop thinking about, you know, having the dining experience or the, the hotel experience. Think about getting back to basics, making sure you are respecting preferences, choices, decisions, um, that we aren't taking away somebody's liberty, that we are providing dignity, privacy, that we are making sure that people are safe, that risks are being managed and mitigated, that we are being aware of them and that we are recording that our governance, our, that we have good governance, you know, it's a regulation in the care standards. And that if you do something wrong, that you have good duty of candor. That you admit when things aren't going right. Transparency, openness, honesty. The, the, the sooner you admit things aren't going right, the quicker we can have intervention. And that's ultimately going to make a difference to the service that you provide and going to mean that you're going to provide a better service for all and you're going to have a better team because morale will be raised because they'll know they can speak up without fear of retribution which means they'll have more courage to speak up without fear so hopefully then we won't have as many inadequate services. And I mean inadequate across all services. We're not just talking about care homes. We're not just talking about hospitals. We're talking about all services. And I think the thing is about care, we, we do get tarred all with the same brush, don't we? You know, and at the moment, we don't always get valued in the same way as the NHS. But, oh, you know... When you look at Care Quality Commission, 
there are a lot of hospitals that are inadequate there's a lot of hospices that are inadequate gp surgeries so please this isn't just social care this is healthcare as well this is the nhs as well because care quality commission inspect all of these those 102 isn't just about social care it's across the board those 102 that are inadequate across the board so I came on just to sort of tell you about my COVID, to tell you that, and I'm sorry I swore at the beginning, but oh, it's been horrendous, honestly, it really has. But to also say to you, do you know what? Just know things are difficult and you'll be dealing with COVID still. You'll be struggling with staffing. You'll be trying, feeling like you're banging your head against a brick wall. But don't forget about those core values. Don't forget about the basics of care the reason why you work in care in the first place. The the core reason for you to provide the support and nurturing of, of facilitating somebody living well. Don't forget about that core value. Don't forget about dignity, privacy, respect, choice. Don't forget about that. That shouldn't be missed. Even if you have less staff, should still remember that you're dealing with somebody who's vulnerable, who requires respect, who requires dignity. It could be, you have to remember that it could be the last day of that person's life. You could be the last person they see. Honestly, you really could be. So think about it. Do you want to leave them with a positive? So... Imagine that. Just think about that for a moment. Just even if you think about that for a moment. That you could be the last person that person sees. Ever. Surely. You'd want to leave that person with a positive. And that's what you've got to think about. I mean, I hope that the last person my dad saw smiled at him treat him with love and care and kindness that's all I hope because we weren't with him so that's all I hope and that gives us as family comfort and that's all we want as family if we can't be there to know that the people caring for our loved ones are doing it in a way with compassion and kindness. So don't forget that. So when I read reports that don't even provide somebody with dignity or kindness, some of them were, didn't even have kindness in them, I think those poor people, if it's their end of life, that's not nice, is it? So think about that. Think about that. When you go in, smile costs nothing to smile and it could make a difference to somebody it's not a lot to ask it really isn't and that goes for gps it goes for nurses it goes for carers it goes for managers it doesn't matter what your role is make a difference by just smiling make a difference by having the respect and just remembering your words could make a difference to somebody kindness costs nothing 
just checking on somebody, just making sure somebody's okay, just asking before doing and just thinking before you do sometimes. But no, nine times out of ten, all of you do the greatest job ever, every single one of you. You do. It's just there are a minority that don't. So just remember, do the best you can. And we value you. Regardless of the powers that be, we value you. So if you're taking a moment in a sluice room to cry or to scream or to rant, do it a bit quieter. Don't upset everybody. If you sat on the toilet a bit longer because you just have had enough, or if you're trying to find somewhere to have a wobble, I hope you get your five seconds of peace. Just build your resilience. No people are there thinking of you. Know that we respect you and know that we are thankful for you. And we will get through it. And you will get through it. And some there is a light. Take care. Thanks for joining us. I'll pull up a chair and let's talk care.